Welcome to The Chapel Online. At The Chapel, we're about helping people meet, know, and follow Jesus on the campus, in the city, and around the world. Well, Happy New Year. I'm so glad that you are here with us on this new year. Uh, Tori promised you a special message. That's a lot of pressure uh, for, for New Year. But if you're new with us, I also want to say so glad that you are here. If you're in town still visiting family for the holidays, glad that you are here. And if you thought, hey, this is a good Sunday to start trying to go to church and do a New Year's resolution with us, we are so glad that you are here. Our prayer all holiday season and throughout this week is that we'd be able to meet Jesus uh, here together. So Kevin, who's normally here, our lead pastor, is actually uh, on a plane traveling right now. Uh, he's getting a chance to go and visit some of our uh, people that we have sent around the world. So he'll be passing through a couple different countries. Uh, and I would love to pray for him and for that visit because that is a lot of flights uh, to, uh, to go on for somebody who, these are his words, uh, is pushing 60, right? So uh, he is a little nervous about that. I want to pray for him. I want to pray for our time in the Word today. So would you join me as we pray? God, we are so grateful for Jesus. We're grateful that you are a God that is making all things new. And as we look into this new year, we pray that you would be honored. God, we pray for Kevin as, and Mary as they travel. I pray that all of their flights would be smooth, and I pray that you would uh, allow them to be an encouragement to those that we've sent. God, we, we do pray for those that we've sent around this world, that during this season with the holidays, it can be difficult uh, for them to feel homesick and to miss family and traditions. So we pray that Kevin and Mary would be an encouragement to them and that you would uh, you would encourage their souls as they continue on. And God, as we enter your word, I pray that you would speak. Uh, God, we want to hear your voice. It doesn't matter what I have to say. We want to hear from you. So if there's anything I plan to say that's not of you, would you take it out of my mind? If there's anything you want to say, would you come and speak? Because we want to hear your voice. In Jesus' name, amen. Now, you may be a New Year's resolution person. I, I'm really not. I've not been about New Year's resolutions before, but I do see this time of year, this day in particular, as a sort of a reset. Uh, Amber, my wife, and I have a tradition that during the week after Christmas leading up to New Year, we, uh, we go somewhere and we sit down and we write out some prayers to God over just things that we're hoping to see in this next year and things that we're asking him to come and do in, in our lives. And we also get a chance to go back and look at the prayers that we prayed the previous year. Because this is a, a time to be able to reprioritize or at least make sure that we're actually prioritizing the things that we want to prioritize, right? Because we all know that things can tend to shift and can move and can drift and our priorities and our attention is taken over by the things that are around us. So we like to use this day uh, as a day to just kind of recommit to those things and, and trust the Lord with some of those things. But I think the traditions around New Year's with resolutions and looking towards things that are new, they tend to tap into something that I think is etched into our souls. God has created us to long for what is new. 
He has created us to long for what is new, especially when what is is broken. We long for a new body, so we commit to dieting and exercise. We long for a better financial future, so we commit to saving and getting out of debt. We long for a new government, so maybe we uh, say some really mean things on Facebook and watch way too much news. We long for things to be different, and so we tend to set our hope on those things. And the thing about what is new is that it can be a magnet for our hope. Our hope is drawn after what is new. We tend to set our hope on what is broken being fixed, on what is old being made new. And our hope is going to be placed somewhere. It's either going to be placed intentionally or unintentionally. And the natural place for us to set our hope is on the things that we think will make our lives immediately better. The place for our hope to naturally be placed is those things that we think will make this year better than the last year. So that tends to be the magnet for our hope. We want to set our hope on what we think this new year is going to be. And so we commit, we make resolutions, we make commitments, we have goals, we have desires of things that we want to see happen. And the thing about hope is it is supposed to be placed. But what I want us to consider this morning is where are we intentionally placing our hope so that the things that are around us and the, the hopes and the dreams that we might have for this year aren't the place that drives where we actually place that hope. Because the new that we are to place our hope on is not the new that we can create for ourselves. It is not the new habits. It is not the new resolutions. It is not the new techniques, the new goals. But it is on the new that God is creating for us, the new that he will ultimately fulfill. Now, leading up to Christmas, we spent uh, the whole semester going through the book of First Peter. And since everybody else is on vacation and I'm the one who's still here on New Year's, I want to revisit that a little bit because First Peter is my favorite book. And the verse I want to look at is my favorite verse in the Bible. And I think it does a really good job of helping us have the tools in place to place our hope in the right spot. And in First Peter 1.13... We read this, therefore, with minds that are alert and fully sober, set your hope on the grace to be brought to you when Jesus Christ is revealed at his coming. Now, Peter was writing this letter to a group of people that really had no hope in this life. They were under oppression and persecution from a government that was literally feeding Christians to lions. This was a place where they did not have the ability to place their hope in things getting better this side of eternity. So what Peter tells them to do is not to set their hope on tomorrow. 
not to set their hope on what this new year might bring, but to set our hope on eternity, to set our hope on the things that God is bringing about. But based on the human condition, I can say that for 100% of us in this room, our hope is not going to drift to eternity. We will not naturally drift to hoping for heaven, for hoping for what God will bring. We will always naturally, unintentionally drift towards the things of this world that we think will make us happier. So what I want us to do today is focus together on prying our hope off of the things of this world. And it does take some prying, and it does take some work. But together, as we focus on Jesus, that we would work together to pry our hope off of those things and set it on Jesus and what he will ultimately fulfill. Now, one of the mistakes I think that is often made and the things that we miss as we read through the Bible is that the Bible really is one story from beginning to end. So often we look at smaller chunks and it's, it's way too long of a book to sit down and read from cover to cover in, in one sitting. So we tend to dive in to really pick apart some, some verses or some things that we tend to go towards. And sometimes we miss that the entire story from Genesis to Revelation really is one story. Many Bible scholars will call Genesis chapter 1 through 11 as the introduction to the Bible. Just like any good introduction, it sets the stage. It gives us the characters. It lays out the problem to be solved, and it talks about what needs to happen in order to get to the end. Genesis 12, all the way to Revelation chapter 20, is the plot of the Bible. It's the story of the Bible. It's watching the characters that have been introduced play out the conflict on the world stage leading up to the ultimate resolution. And in Revelation 21 and 22, we see the conclusion. We see what everything has been moving towards. The good guys win, the bad guys lose. And when we look at the Bible as one story, often we can see the bigger picture that God is trying to write for us. And what I want to do today is take a look at the first part of Revelation chapter 21. The first five verses there. If you have your Bible, you can turn there. But I think it gives us a picture of the end in such a way that it can help us place our hope on the right things. So I'm going to read for us, starting in Revelation chapter 21, verse 1. It says, then I saw a new heaven and a new earth. For the first heaven and the first earth had passed away, and there was no longer any sea. I saw the holy city, the new Jerusalem, coming down out of heaven from God, prepared as a bride, beautifully dressed for her husband. And I heard a loud voice from the throne saying, look, God's dwelling place is now among the people, and he will dwell with them, and they will be his people. And God himself will be with them and be their God. He will wipe away every tear from their eyes and there will be no more death or mourning or crying or pain for the old order of things has passed away. And he who is seated on the throne said, I am making everything new. 
This is what all of history is moving towards. This is what humanity was created for. This is the cry of every one of our hearts, whether we know it or not. Every bad decision, every sin, every addiction is ultimately trying to fulfill those verses. And this is the new that God is creating for us. So I think part of what Peter means is that we need to set our hope not on what we hope might happen in these next days or in these next years, but to set our hope, to intentionally set our hope on the real new. The new that God is creating for us. But again, our minds and our hearts will not naturally drift towards that. So we need to work to convince our minds that that really is where we are to place our hope. So if you are a New Year's resolution person, maybe a good New Year's resolution is to try to figure out how do we convince our own minds that what God is creating for us, what God has set to fulfill from the beginning of time and will move everything towards finishing, to convince our minds that that is where we're supposed to place our hope. What would 2023 look like if we were able even just for a few moments each day, to convince our minds that what God is fulfilling, that what God is creating, that is the real hope, the real, real. Now, in these verses, there's a couple of things that give us a tangible picture of what I think this might look like. So go back to those verses, and we read this. It says, And I heard a loud voice from the throne saying, Look, God's dwelling place is now among the people, and he will dwell with them, and they will be his people, and God himself will be with them and will be their God. Now, this is such a powerful image to me. It says the dwelling place of God is now among his people. Now, there is a, a reality in which part of that is true now. Right? This is what Christmas was all about. We saw it said of Mary in Matthew chapter 1, the virgin will conceive and give birth to a son and they will call him Emmanuel, which means God with us. The name Emmanuel given to Jesus means God with us. There is a very real sense in which God is here with us. John's gospel says it this way. In John 1.14, the word, which is Jesus, became flesh and made his dwelling among us. We have seen his glory, the glory of the one and only Son who came from the Father, full of grace and truth. Jesus, the Son of God, took on flesh to live among us. It was the clearest expression of who God is that humanity ever got to see. As we look at Jesus, this side of heaven, it is the clearest picture of who God is. And after he rose from the dead and it's ascended to the Father, he gave us the Holy Spirit who lives inside of us. God with us now lives inside of us. But there's also a reality, there's also a part of this in which we don't get to fully experience God with us. 
there are still barriers. There are still things that are living even inside of us and in our minds and in what the Bible calls our flesh that make it difficult, impossible, really, to experience the fullness of God. Listen to how Paul talks about this in Romans chapter 7. He says, as it is, I no long, it's no longer myself who do it, but it is sin living in me. Other translations say dwelling in me. For I know that good itself does not dwell in me, that is in my sinful nature. For I have the desire to do what is good, but not the ability to carry it out. Now, I don't know about you, and I'm not going to ask for a show of hands, but as far as for me, I can relate to that. There are so many times that we'll say I sit down to to pray and try to spend time with God. And five seconds later, I'm thinking about something completely different and wondering how my fantasy football team is doing. There's times when I'll wake up in the morning a little bit early saying that I want to spend time with God, but now I'm going to hit the snooze button and tell myself that I'll just, I'll do it later. But then Netflix is really appealing and I don't get around to it. There are so many times where I know the right thing to do, but I just choose not to do it because it's easier. I would imagine that you can relate We know that there are barriers between us and fully knowing who God is. Each of those decisions that we make and thousands others like them are little barriers to God with us. And we have two options to try to fix it. First option is we try a little harder. Maybe we make a New Year's resolution. We commit that this time I'm going to do better. And of course, we know that that never works. The other option is we can choose not to set our hope on trying to do better, but to actually set our hope on the things that God has secured through Jesus to set our hope on the day when all of those barriers between us and God will actually be done away with and let that fuel me to pursue as much of the fullness of the presence of God as I can because there will be a day when all of those barriers are completely done away with. There will be a day when there will be no more pain no more tears, nothing separating us from enjoying the presence of God. And that is what Peter says we are to set our hope on, to take our hope and to intentionally set it there, to set our hope on God with us. But it's not just the withness of God, it's the withness that also brings with it a removal of all pain and suffering that is coming. Listen to verse 4. He will wipe away every tear from their eyes. There will be no more death or mourning or crying or pain, for the old order of things has passed away. Most of the New Year's resolutions and the traditions around what is new is trying as hard as we can to make those verses happen in our life. 
Everything we go after and we focus on and try to spend our money and trying to spend our time is doing everything that we can to try to accomplish those verses this side of heaven. But there will be a day when God himself will get rid of these things. Now, I know some of you have spent much of the last week of the holidays with many tears and because of loss or the reminder of betrayal or infidelity, wandering children, maybe a job loss or fear over the economy. There will be a day when God will take the initiative to wipe away those tears. We are to set our hope on that day. Some of your tears have been surrounding mourning this season, or maybe even fear of death. There will be a day when there will be no more mourning. And not only will the fear of death be gone, but death itself will be gone. We're to set our hope on that day. Some of you experience pain on a daily basis that no one understands. This, this last week was really great for Amber and I. We got a chance to go visit my parents in Florida, and we got a chance to see my brother. Now, my brother has had a long, hard year. He found, we found out back in April that he needed to have a liver transplant after five months in the hospital and a lot of therapy getting back to healthy. He has a healthy liver. He's recovering, and it was really, really great to be able to be with him. But now he has pain all throughout his body. He's having to relearn how to walk. He has no more muscle mass. Everything is gone, and everything right now is difficult for him in a way that I just can't understand. Some of you may experience that type of pain on a daily basis that no one actually understands. And it would be really easy for my family to set our hope on the day when he'll be able to walk again. Or to set our hope on the fruit of physical therapy. Or to set our hope on when things will be less difficult for him. But Peter would say, no, don't set your hope on those things. Set your hope on the eternity that God has secured. That he has guaranteed through Jesus. Many of you experienced a lot of suffering in 2022. And it is so easy to want to take our eyes and focus on getting past that suffering. And my prayer for us as a church is that we'd be able to pry our hope off of that and lift our eyes a little higher, knowing that Jesus has secured the day when there will be no more pain no more tears, no more mourning, and no more death. And we actually live in a culture that has convinced us that we should be able to get rid of that suffering. We have the technology, we have the medication, we have the expectation that we should not suffer. We have the expectation that it should be comfortable. And most of us have the money and the means to be able to do something about it. 
So it's easy to convince ourselves, even in the church, that we can put our hope on just getting rid of a little more suffering. And Peter would say, church, lift your eyes. Lift your eyes to what Jesus himself has secured. Let's not compare our suffering to how it might get better, but like Paul in Romans 8, let's compare our suffering to something different. He says, I consider that our present sufferings are not even worth comparing with the glory that will be revealed in us. If we're able to pry our hope off of getting past the hard things and past the sufferings in this world, then we'll get to a place by God's grace that we realize that our sufferings are worth it. Because God has secured something way, way better that he is bringing us to. That day is coming. And I think it is why God gives us this picture at the end of the story, to give us the real new, to give us the real hope. And we can set our hope on suffering's end when one day it will be done away with. Now, those are some things that we can set our hope on, but if you're anything like me, you're probably thinking, yeah, that sounds great in in theory, but how do I actually do that when everything around me is trying to pull my attention to the next thing to buy or the next thing to try or the next place to go or the next wellness technique or whatever is next. Everything around me is trying to pull my attention towards those things. How do we actually move towards setting our hope there? Well, I want to spend the rest of our time trying to get a little practical going into 2023. Because if this is a muscle that we need to work out to put our hope, to place our hope on the right places, then I think we need the right tools. And Peter gives us those tools in the verse that we looked at at the beginning. I'm going to read it for us again, but this time I'm going to read it in a different translation in the English Standard Version because I think it it captures more easily the original language. It says this, Therefore, Now, that therefore is talking about the previous 12 verses that lays out all of the things that Jesus secured for us in heaven. So he says, therefore, preparing your minds for action and being sober-minded, set your hope fully on the grace that will be brought to you at the revelation of Jesus Christ. So Peter gives us two ingredients, two tools to work towards being able to place our hope in the right place, and they both have to do with our minds. The first thing he says is preparing your minds for action, right? So the original language there literally reads, gird up the loins of your mind. Super helpful, right? Peter was looking at the, really something that was more contextual to what was going on in the day. People didn't wear pants like we wear today. They wore robes or, or tunics that would go all the way to the ground. So it was uncommon for somebody to be able to run because they would trip over themselves. So if for some reason they had to run, they had to lift up their robe and expose their legs so that they could actually run. They had to gird up their loins. Now, maybe some ladies in the room have worn long dresses before and experienced that. I imagine many, uh, many of the men haven't. Um, I haven't worn a long dress before. So the way I think about this is 
And maybe I was just late to the game, but uh, it took me a long time to realize that there were some men's jeans that had stretchy fabric. Most jeans for men, at least what I knew, were the, you know, the really kind of, there was no give in them, right? Maybe some of you still wear those types of jeans, but there's not a lot of, lot of give to them. So I remember in high school, I was wearing jeans like that, and I liked to run up the stairs and skip different steps. But since there was no give, there was a time that I remember very clearly because of how embarrassed I was, that I was trying to bound up the stairs, but my legs didn't give as much, so it caught, and I tripped and landed face first on the stairs, Right, so as I think about this verse, I think about those jeans. If I wanted to bound up the stairs, I had to pull up those jeans a little bit so that I wouldn't fall flat on my face. Literally what Peter is saying here is your mind doesn't have the give naturally and it, you will fall over yourselves unless you prepare it, unless you gird up your mind. Gird up the loins of your mind. That's the image that Peter wants us to have. If our minds are going to run to place our hope in the right place, they have to be prepared. The other thing that he gives us, he says we need to be sober-minded. And we talked at length about sober-mindedness a few months ago, that sober-mindedness is a big theme in First Peter, but the opposite of a sober mind is a drunk mind. And the way that the mind is drunk is on distraction. The things that just pull us in all of these different directions. We are constantly drawn to the next thing in front of us. So the two tools that Peter gives us is we need to prepare our minds and we need to sober up our minds. And then we can place our hope on the right place. Now, there are so many things that we could talk about as we practice preparing our minds and sobering up our minds, but I thought I'd like to give you just a few that, uh, that I've been working on over the last couple of years. Now, I am not an expert in a prepared or a sober mind. I am so easily distracted, like maybe many of you in this room. So don't take me as the model for doing these things perfectly, but there are some things that I think we can do to begin working out uh, that muscle. So there's two very, very simple ones that I've been working on that I have asked my discipleship group to hold me uh, accountable to. And these are These are kind of like doing bicep curls with two-pound weights, right? You got to start somewhere. Uh, But the first one is my first drive of the day. I do in quiet. No matter how far I'm going, I don't turn on music. I don't turn on a podcast. I don't have a phone call. I just want to have a few moments where there's just quiet because we don't get a lot of those places. And I don't do a great job of it. Sometimes I try to pray. Most of the time my mind wanders, but it's just a way to try to have some quiet. And the second one is maybe a little bit too much information, um, but I try to not take out my phone while I'm in the bathroom. I cannot be the only one in the room that has their phone out looking at Facebook or something while they are in the bathroom. Like I said, two pound weights for your biceps, right? But we've got to start somewhere because our minds go all over the place. Something else that Amber and I have tried to do is we try to have a real 
Sabbath every week. Now, if you're not familiar with that word, the Sabbath, God created the world in six days, according to Genesis, and on the seventh day, he rested, and he commanded the people of Israel on the seventh day of the week to rest from all of their labor. Now, we are not under the same law of commandments where we have to do that Sabbath, but it's pretty clear that God thinks it's good for us to do. So Amber and I have committed that one day every week we want to have a Sabbath where we do no work. And I like to differentiate between a day off and a Sabbath. A day off is when you do the work that you don't get paid for. The errands, the chores, laundry, dishes, yard work, extra work, extra meetings that come up. But the Sabbath is supposed to be that day where we do no work and we can rest and intentionally focus our attention on God. So for Amber and I, we don't cook because we hate to cook. We sleep in and we take naps. We don't read books that we have to read for work. Anything that would re-engage our mind on anything that is work-related, we say, on that day, we're not going to do. And it's difficult to do because there's so much going on in the world, and it makes it really important that for those other six days, we prepare well for that day. But for us, it was a discipline to be able to say, we need to recapture our minds. If it is this important to set our hope on the right things, then we need to work out that muscle. Something else I'd encourage you to do is to be in God's word, the Bible, every day. Something else I do not do perfectly. But the best way to saturate our minds with the right things is to actually listen to God's words as we read it or as we listen to it. And if that's not a habit that you're currently doing, Tori mentioned the Chapel Bible reading plan. Go ahead and grab one of those or go to our website or sign up for the text that comes every Monday. It'll take you 15 minutes a day, five days a week. If that's where you need to start, start there. But be getting in God's word. Something else I'd give you is to practice memorizing God's word. It's a practice that we just do not engage in as much anymore. Probably part of it is because we can just Google the verse. We, don't, we always have it with us, but we need not just to read his word, but to say it over and over and over again until it gets lodged in our hearts. And if memorizing the word is not something that you've done before, let me recommend three verses for you to start with in January of 2023. They're all from 1 Peter. They all talk about being sober-minded. The first is 1 Peter 1.13 that we've been looking at. Therefore, preparing your minds for action and being sober-minded, set your hope on the grace that will be brought to you at the revelation of Jesus Christ. The second is 1 Peter 4, verse 7. It says, be self-controlled and sober-minded for the sake of your prayers. The third is 1 Peter 5.8, be sober-minded be watchful. Your adversary, the devil, prowls around like a roaring lion seeking someone to devour. These have been a great weapon in my tool belt. The two wrong analogies together. You don't put weapons in your tool belt, I guess. But three very good verses that I often pray as I'm going into a situation where I know I'm going to be tempted to be distracted. It's not a silver bullet. And like I said, my mind is very, very distractible, but we have to be doing something to practice prying our attention and prying our hope off of the things that happen to be right 
around us. And there's so many others that we can talk about. I'd encourage you to think about how, what you can do to prepare your mind, to make your mind sober, because it's not about just having a bunch of things to do and a bunch of checkboxes to check. It's about recognizing that left to your own devices and not being intentional, your mind will drift off of Jesus. 100% of the time. So to have something to engage in fighting to recapture our focus. And that might be something very different for all of us in the room. But if it is that important that Peter talks about to a group of people that are being persecuted, being oppressed, not to set your hope on getting past that, but to set it on what God is doing, then we need to do what we can. And again, it's not to do a bunch of checkboxes. It's so that we can convince our minds to remember Jesus to remember the things that he has secured for us, to remember that he was the one that took the initiative to come to this planet, to live the life that we were supposed to live but could not, to die the death that we were required to die for our sin. He died it in our place and rose again with the power to defeat death that we would never be able to have in and of ourselves. And he did that to secure the eternity and the future that we've been talking about here. And our hearts are so distractible and so fickle that Peter says, prepare your minds for action. Be sober-minded and choose to set your hope fully on the grace that will be brought to you at the revelation of Jesus Christ. We all know where our minds tend to go. And my prayer for us as a church is that in 2023, we would choose moment by moment, day by day, to set our hope on the things that Jesus will bring about. Let me pray for us. God, we're so grateful for Jesus. We are so grateful for the things that you have done, for the things that you have accomplished. And God, with all of the chaos, with all of the craziness, with all of the news feeds, with all the temptations, with all the distractions around us, I pray that you would give us grace to set our hope on what you are bringing about. And that even here as we worship, we would pry our hope, that you would pry our hope off of the things that we can do to make our lives better and that we would place it firmly at the feet of Jesus. In Jesus' name, amen. Thanks for joining us. To find out more about the chapel, visit thechapelbr.com.